Welcome to Sundial. I'm Carlos Frias. When you look at his art, you get the feeling that Sri Prabha is making art for all the senses. There's video. Sometimes the video has sound. There's always color. Sri doesn't mount static canvases on a wall. He hangs spinning sculptures from the ceiling. He puts them opposite video screens. And he asks you to move through them. He puts you right into the middle of his art. And that's at the heart of his work, art that speaks to everyone. Part of that comes from his training as a clinical psychologist, where people speak to him. He wants his art to be part of a conversation. Sri was born in India, but raised in the U.S. with a mom in the Army. He spent a lot of time thinking about what it means to embrace two cultures and to be pulled apart by them. So his work is like that, too. He mixes Eastern philosophy and Western science He leans into beauty and strangeness, sound and color. You can find his work all over the world, in public and private collections. He has a new exhibit showing at the Boca Raton Museum of Art through October. It's called Sri Prabha, Resonator, Reanimator. Today, he's here with us. Welcome, Sri. Hi, thanks for having me. This is so surreal. Uh, I'm just really amazed to be here. Thank you for having me, Carlos. Surreal like some of your work, which is... Which puts you into a mood more than uh, that I, I feel like it really is what it does. It puts you into a mood. Absolutely. So the, so the idea of these things, uh, these installations, is to open a uh, portal for people to walk into and experience something that they never thought they would. And I, and I see that just from, you know, just from seeing it online and what have you, and seeing moving pictures of it, that once you step into the space, like you're immersed immediately in movement and sound and color, and it's like you're transported. It's a, it's, it's definitely a, it's definitely a whole experience. I, you know, part of it is I, I couldn't help but feel like, you know, this background that I, it struck me so much of you having a background in art and also in, in therapy and like clinical psychology, clinical therapy, and you know, there's that saying that art is therapy and therapy is 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 a kind of art, you know, and so it just got me thinking. This has been a real journey for you. It's been a convoluted journey, but I think it's been a very um, informative. Uh, growth for me as well because uh, I went to art school first and then I did that for uh, art for a while and then I thought about therapy did that for a little bit and then went came back to the art and that the experience of becoming a therapist uh, made me realize my um, own um, responsibility to the viewer so after I did that uh, I was making art slightly differently I was still working on context and issues that I wanted to address, but I was more aware of the the viewer's response and my responsibility to the viewer to bring him or her into a space where they can properly assess what I'm showing them. And, and especially to have that the person have enough space and their own um, sense of self to be able to process what I'm showing them. It, it's such a unique perspective, right? Because so so often you make art um, and and you put it out into the world, and you and you assume people are going to per- perceive it however they do. But then you kind of put yourself in the audience's perspective, you know. And that's a that's a, a I imagine a perspective that you could have only have gotten by doing something like you did, working in therapy. Absolutely, I th- I think you hit a nail on because um, you really have to have empathy for your fellow human to really 
get the message that you want to say across to them because mm -hmm. I see work sometimes that's kind of screaming at you for some whatever um, idea that they're trying to get across, but you'll never get your message across if you're screaming to someone visually. Right. You know, uh, so I think we need to be all more gentler and kinder to each other and get beyond the m micro noise that uh, we have so much noise in culture today that we need to get beyond that because ultimately I'd like people to, as a civilization, evolve beyond where we are now. I noticed that on, <laughs> on, on your website you were you talked you went out of your way to talk a little bit about where we are as a, as a society right now and mm -hmm. like the kind of the divisive space that we're at. You know, it, it feels very immediate. You know, this idea of what you're trying to impress on with your art. Correct. So you know, having lived all over the place and uh, having come across people with many different viewpoints, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of artists generally tend to be liberal, and especially in this country, they just kind of are preaching to the choir. We need to kind of get beyond these um, uh, ideologies and really embrace everybody and and just kind of be human and and if we kind of look back millions of years and try to look forward, you know, a lot of our problems can be solved. But, you know, like I say, you know, Earth doesn't need us, but we need Earth. Oh, yeah, ultimately. that's the truth. Yeah. Right. Yeah, as George Carlin used to say, you know, ask, ask the people after an earthquake whether they, they feel the Earth is feels threatened by us, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so how do you do that with art? Like, how do you do that specifically with your art? Um, it, it definitely puts you, like you said, it, it puts you in the middle of it versus like, appreciating a painting on a hanging on a wall you know right so uh, it, it, the way I design things now after having my experience uh, being a therapist is you know you have to realize not everyone likes installations not everyone likes just a painting or, or a sculpture or just a drawing people take in information very different ways so I've designed this particular installation at, at Boca Museum uh, to have many different components so there's a big installation component there's paintings, there's, a, there's, there's sculptures, there's discrete elements of different media that people can partake in and they can ignore other parts if they don't care for it, you know? So it's kind of like being open to, I'll, I'll, I'm gonna bring my work to you and you, you come to me and you, you know, whether you like it, one part of it or not, there's something else that you might like versus something else. Oh, that's uh, that's such a lesson. It's like, you know, when we, we're on social media, you don't immediately have to comment on the thing you don't like. You could just scroll past to the next one. Like, if this piece didn't speak to you, maybe the yeah. one, uh, you know, another 50 feet down the way does. There's a, there's a quote, uh, David Lynch, who's uh, one of my favorite uh, filmmakers and artists, uh, there's a painting, there's uh, uh, a title, it's like he's written on a painting, and it says, like, if you don't like what you're seeing change the channel it's like on a painting mm -hmm. that's kind of a multimedia painting and i was like yeah that's right you know give people options to see what they like and don't like don't force anything on people people are smart enough to understand what you're saying right like yeah david lynch i i like mulholland drive but twin peaks made me crazy so <laughs> I, you know scroll on yeah uh so tell me about I, i'm really interested in this this idea of um, you know this perspective that you have because you've lived in a lot of different places you were you were originally born in what part of India? I was born in Hyderabad Andhra Pradesh India. It's kind of desert like uh, dry climate um, and it's a huge city now. Uh, there's a lot of tech going on there. I, I left in 78 and uh, I've been on the You were how old more or less? I was eight. 
When, oh, you were a little kid. Yeah, I was a little kid. So you uh, early, late enough that you have really strong memories of it, but late enough that that you're very, I imagine, very American in some <laughs> ways in that way too. When you landed here, right? Yeah, I think it's it's like both. You know, it's like the love of like Diwali and the love of Fourth of July. And I, want, <laughs> I was trying to thinking uh, about like you know what what it's like to explain like one of my installations is like if you can think of Diwali, which is an Indian festival of light there's like fireworks and it's just a whole atmosphere and everybody's out and there's this this energy and it's organic and the closest you can get to that here in the u.s is like fourth of july everyone right. is out together fireworks and it's just like this atmosphere that's just so like special right so it's kind of that dichotomy that i carry within me both of those elements are like core to how i think about existence right right, right. When you came here, your your mom, uh, we mentioned at the top, and you, and you talked about it, your mom was in the Army, right? Yeah, she's, uh, she's a retired colonel. She was a doctor, and um, she uh, kind of had to travel all over because of being posted wherever the uh, Army wanted her to go. What was that like for you? I mean, she was a doctor. I mean, usually it's so funny because so many immigrant families, you know, they well, say, well, you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer, right? Yeah, <laughs> so that was my whole family, and they didn't know what. I was up to um, until I started showing up in newspapers, and then it's like, oh, okay, he's okay. <laughs> <laughs> As my buddy Sean says, "Fame is only good if it comes with money," and uh, yeah. you know that's that's good. Yeah. Um. So so that's uh, when you grew up, kind of seeing your mom in in that in that role. So you must you must have w with her moved around. A oh lot yeah, then. yeah. I mean, she was army like, brat, right? Yeah, she's a total trailblazer, and uh, you know, she she was like one of the first. Uh, Indian doctors that was became a major and then you know eventually a colonel all these things and she doesn't talk about these things but well that's why we're here we get to blow mom yeah, up a little bit and what's your I, mom's name let's her, shout her, her out her name is Chandra her name is Chandra Prabha so Chandra means moon also moonlight so that's good. and oh. she's actually she lives in Davie now oh all so. right well hopefully she's listening yeah she'll shine a light on us yeah. all out from out there yeah uh, so this this kind of moving around right you have such a strong connection to your to your Indian roots, but then moving around and seeing so much of the the country here. Mm -hmm. how, looking back, obviously it's not a thing that you think about when you're a kid. But how did that how did that uh, inform you? In other words, what things did you see that you remember still stood out about you in different the different towns you were in? What are some of those places? Uh, like being stationed in Germany was big for me. That was like during high school, and you know, of course, all the beer you can drink legally was nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's the, the drinking age is like 16, uh, 16 or something? 16 or something. <laughs> so, you know, but like, you know, people at the time, you know, you, you get to a different country, and with these uh, postings, there's Department of Defense uh, schools. Kids are from all over the world, so I got to meet, you know, uh, kids that were stationed from parents that were from like uh, South America, uh, just Eastern, just kind of all over the place. So right. it's kind of like a melting of humanity. Right. And you kind of really get that when, when you've had that experience and you realize that it, it, it gets back to the whole idea of like, we have very specific cultures, obviously civilizations on the world, but at the core of things, we're more alike than we're different. Really. That's like the core thing that I got away that I took out of all these things, uh, all these, um, uh, station postings and living somewhere else. We have our discrete, very special um, flavors of people, but at the core, we're still humans. Right. 
Can you talk to me about, you know, some of the ways that art began to speak to you, that began to express it to you? Because I, I'm always curious how, you know, you obviously turned to a career in art and you went back and forth. So mm -hmm. I'm curious, where did art really begin to express itself in your life? Well, I, I have to say, like, um, out of, even when I was in India, this is a funny anecdote because I, I like with Indian Bollywood movies, mm -hmm. that's a big art form there. I never liked them. It was like a biggest, somehow I just couldn't get on board with that. But we used to get BBC Radio, and I heard Kraftwerk, like, in the late 70s. And I was like, what is going on here? Because it was so different from anything you could hear on the radio. In what way was it was it totally different than, <clears throat> than what you were seeing, like Bollywood type? Uh, there was something, uh, something in my brain that clicked on when I heard craft work for the first time what is that give me give me an it, idea I don't, I'm not it, it's with. like there's seminal electronic music pioneers of like all time i got you uh and uh their tone their melodies it's just they used a lot of computers to make the sound no one was doing that even in the western world at the time so it was really like almost by accident you know stumbling across this art form and then it was kind of like something else is going on here there's another world than what I'm seeing in front of me as a kid in India. And luckily enough, I moved to the U.S. And at that time in India, it was very closed off. There wasn't like, you didn't see much of the outside world because it, it was a different time completely. It's like, you might as well have been 500 years ago. So you came from like this desertish area in India to where did you land in the U.S.? What was the first? Uh, we we landed. My mom was working uh, just outside of Boston, so uh, she was working for Boston's Children's Hospital. Oh my God! And your first winter in Boston oh, it was must have been memorable. Not great. Yeah. So <laughs> that's why I just I don't have any love for the winter. I I, I love Boston. Love going there in in spring summer. But uh, yeah, I, I I actually went to uh, Massachusetts College of Art briefly. And uh, I just had to leave because the winters just got too bad. Oh, wow. So, so already it, you, are, you were starting to head down a path knowing that you wanted to pursue art in some way. Uh, maybe when I was a kid, more subconsciously. But, you know, everyone thought I was still going to become a doctor because up on, through high school, you know, that was kind of like the leading story. Like, oh, yeah, he's going to be another physician. And then when I started showing proclivities for art nobody understood in my family what that was in what ways in what way oh uh, you know i would just be drawing and painting things on the side and just look you know interested in graphic design at the time uh so when i was starting to do more of that it, people were like what are you doing and uh you know like an immigrant family you either need to be a lawyer or a doctor or an engineer and there's that's it i mean that's the common story for many immigrant families into this country and you were like boy do i have a surprise for you <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> our guest today is the artist sri prabha he has a new exhibit at the boca raton museum of art through october I, like i said from the beginning you know i feel like this was such a journey for you to, to get to the point where you're creating art. And it sounds like you always had a proclivity for it. But I'm curious about the straight lace job, right? At some point, you decide to study clinical therapy after, you, after, you're already, after you're already doing art. Tell me about what was going on in your life that made you start thinking, you know, that, that you wanted to take a different turn. Uh, so this was uh, in San Francisco back in 2007. And um, uh, I was doing... Um, uh, I was I was doing art and I was doing motion graphics and teaching in that field and uh, I wanted to um, uh, have more of a therapeutic uh, positive um, 
outcome on society. So I decided maybe therapy is a good fit, and it was for a while. So you were like doing like uh, like applied arts, right? Like visual, <laughs> like literally creating visuals. But what was going on? Was there something spiritually that was saying like this is not fulfilling me completely? Then yeah, pr- probably because at some point, you know, I always felt like you know you're here on Earth, you should have some duty to make life society better. Oh, does that come from having a physician mom, or like uh, where yeah. does that feeling come well, from? Well, I think that 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 is kind of indicative for maybe the healing arts as well as maybe just you know a lot of Indian families feel that way. Uh, that way we're kind of brought up is to engender. Uh, um, warmth and light and some guidance and you know that kind of goes back to some of the early Vedic teachings also about you know bringing more uh, some positive gain for life right now in other words not becoming an investment banker and just filling up your pockets <laughs> well yeah I mean nothing I'm sure wrong. investment bankers do great nothing yeah, wrong with that know. you know we all have our 401ks etc etc <laughs> but um, uh, just kind of really bringing something of, of warmth happiness light to the world because there's we are only here for such a short time and we're responsible for each other whether we want to be or not we are because uh, that's that's the narrative that uh, uh, other interests don't want us to remember. Tell me about moments in your life that you really learned that lesson. Whether it's I, I like I, I I assumed your mom, who's who's a, a physician, but tell me about some of those moments where you really saw that kind of humanity, and you're like, this is a thing that I need to spread and engender. You know, I I think o- overall it's really because there's so many Indian doctors maybe and other healing professionals as well as when you go back in history and look at healers in general there's another way to exist in the world and obviously we have our day-to-day grind our other responsibilities but at the end of the day if you've spent a good life you look back what do you want to think you've accomplished right wouldn't it be better to have something accomplished that you brought light and yeah, warmth to the world. Yeah, were there moments where you weren't feeling like that, like the world is a little too hard, and or, or you weren't being receptive to it? I don't know. I'm curious how you get to that point. You know, <clears throat> where you really, say, it it becomes such a, a, a important thing, and you maybe you see a a hardness that you say I, I I have to contribute in a different way. Yeah, I mean it's it's all around you. So uh, you get to a point where when you know someone is not doing well, or you see swaths of demographic of people not doing well you draw a line in the sand and say this has got to get better for these folks were you seeing that uh well in in the south asian community it has happened on and off and not just in that you know uh, the latino community in in uh, california as well so there's all these issues that are there but uh when i went back to being a therapist uh that in itself the reason i came back out of it again was that those cultures really didn't really embrace psychotherapy to get better to get beyond grief uh, or stressors that kind of thing so when i realized that hands-on it was more like okay i could do but more for many communities through art because it's more open oh so interesting so there were two real moments the one going into it and the one saying oh this is not the medium where i help people it was limiting yes what what were the talking about some moments important moments for you that said i want to go into i want to I want to help people, and that got you towards the therapy. Were there were there moments that stand out in your mind when you think about like that you saw a person that needed help that knew that they needed talking through? Did you have any specific experiences that led to that? Uh, well, I you know when I was 
being a therapist, there were many different instances of that. I mean, uh, something in, in your life while you before you decided to go to therapy school, that you thought, man, there's there's a real need for this that well, you saw in a person in a in a particular person or something. Uh, there, you know, different friends throughout my life have kind of sometimes some of them you know weren't doing great and they could be addressed and some of them still don't want to talk about issues that are going through so how do you address that right you can't you, you can't saw really. people you saw people suffering who needed to yeah right right uh, and you have to kind of approach it from the sideways and maybe they'll get some healing out of it were you the guy that everyone talked to yeah, 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 yeah. I think they still do. <laughs> You're the, you were their unofficial therapist yeah, before I, you were I a therapist? Yeah, I was not on the clock. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So this idea, you go and you study therapy, how long did you work in that, in that field? Uh, uh, for a couple of years. Not, for a couple of yeah, years. Yeah, not, not that long, but it was enough where I, I kind of needed to, like, I, I realized I need to make change, go back into art, and I could do more there than spend too much time kind of wasting my time in that field because there's a lot of guardrails mm. in therapy, and you can't really go beyond those things because it's you can't do that right that I'm, I'm thinking of that show shrinking that's on uh, yeah that's on Apple right Plus. exactly that's, that's some a point great he show just, he just wants to cross that barrier yeah and, <laughs> and i wanted to do that and i was like i can't do that because it's just it's l almost it's it's inappropriate sure yeah yeah what what was the reception like like when you when you told your mom you know hey i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna switch careers and do this therapy uh, uh the, yeah, everyone was like oh that's a good fit for you because you know you, you you listen you can you can talk and you help people through things so it was it was a good uh reaction at the time and then uh and then you know because it was such a it was almost like a blip looking back now but it was like a a good blip in a but way what a blip right it was a blip and yeah. it really changed the way i make art because i went back into art making and it was a different beast altogether was it always just you and your mom? Do you have brothers and sisters? Uh, just, yeah, yeah. Just, just you guys? Yeah, yeah. That must have been quite an experience for you, like um, in the sense that there is that, that, that closeness, right? Like as, as you're moving about through the world, having this person that you're seeing helping others and, <clears throat> and you're moving about the world with them, I'm sure that, that that's a very close relationship. Yeah, it is. And I think, you know, at the time, you know, you're not really processing it so much. It's just your day-to-day -day kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And obviously it's it's like you know she was super busy with work because it's like you know the commitment to being a doctor and then being in the army as well so there's a lot of stressors that she was you know facing and just work is just you know it takes you a lot of time but sure. but uh you know and then i eventually went off to art school like you know after all that was over and this whole kind of messy road or scenic route that i find myself and now here you know right and so you decided that when you left therapy that you were going to study arts was there something in art specifically that interested you that said i want to look at x aspect now that you had understood what it was like to be on the other side so like when i first went to art school before the whole therapy thing it was like very art school art history oriented right. then i went to therapy then it was like okay there's a whole different side to how you need to present work because i want to make work for humanity not just for like five people in a white cube i could care less about that right you know there's so many people staring at their navels <laughs> uh, <laughs> right a lot of navel right. gazing sure knock yourself out uh but um i think you know to make real changes or drastic you know more wider open changes mm -hmm. bigger changes and incorporating a lot of you know humanity science uh research into cultural uh significant uh issues putting them together, cultural, environmental issues, then I kind of found my own voice 
because all these different elements added to the art making that I uh, started going towards. You're, you're talking about the how the how that evolved. So I'm curious if you held your art before and after you had that blip where you were studying psychotherapy. How did it change? Have you gone back and looked at stuff that you created and and how different it is, or is it is it? Can you see a, a through line? Um, there is an evolution of things, I guess, mm -hmm. and uh, the biggest component now is that. I'm I'm consciously making work for everyone, whether they like it or not. That's <laughs> different. But like I'm trying to make work that is accessible to all different layers, levels, and like with the installation here, I, like I said earlier, there's installation, there's sound component, there's light, video, sculpture, and then there's an area where it's kind of lower to the ground. So like if you're in a wheelchair, you could see all these objects and sculptures and paintings and things that I've made at a different level so that you know you are you're literally working at physical different levels exactly to have to have people to have an experience and I guess if you're in a wheelchair looking at that you're having a different experience. you're having a different experience from people just walking around and the same thing with there's a there's a central sculpture piece it's called space research center at the installation and it's big enough and there's a little ramp if you're in a wheelchair you can wheel yourself in there and experience that also so i didn't want it to be exclusive because of your bodily limitations you know that's another thing i'm really conscious about i want it to be inclusive as much as possible to everyone what what are some moments that opened your eyes to that because uh, unfortunately a lot of people we we don't see folks who have disabilities and we don't we don't make space for them in our community what what happened in your life that you really I, I think I just have a wider um, spectrum of things I pay attention to. Mm. And I look at things that are not being addressed or not being paid attention to, and I want to incorporate all those things. And it's also, it, it's the right thing to do in terms of like being inclusive, especially in the art world. Sure. The art world talks all about being inclusive, but you know, they still have a long way to go. All I can do if, in my own agency is how I make work is, to address being inclusive for everyone. Do you remember moments where you did something that was out of having that in mind, inclusivity in mind, and had someone respond in a way that still that resonated with you? Um, y yeah, I mean, there was a, just recently when someone went in, they I think they were like on a crutch or something, and they went into the sculpture piece that they can go into, and they're like, I felt this positive energy in this place. It's just I felt so different. It made my day. And it's that it's that thing. It's like it's the thing's working. So the way I designed this thing, this uh, this installation, is that you go in there and there's enough room as for you as a person to inhabit. Mm -hmm. And I believe the way I put things together it generates some kind of energy. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could call it metaphysical or new age or wabi sabi, whatever. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. I think people experience it and they come out feeling more positive, vibrant. They, they feel something, they're like lifted. That's important to you, huh? That's that's 100% of the the narrative. And then there's other things going on. You know, my, my work talks about environmental issues, cultural issues. Um, there's It's like uh, onion layers, you mm -hmm. know. There's a lot of things there, but I want people to get things as they need to so uh, with repeated viewings like every time you go to my show it's completely different because there's a lot of different video uh elements happening they're playing it's it's like, it's like a painting that you can walk through that's constantly changing our guest today is the artist sri prava 
He has a new exhibit at the Boca Raton Museum of Art through October. Uh, Street, so uh, you you did one of the things that I love the most, which is you showed up to a studio with a bag and things in it, and we love we love show and tell. So, uh, and I know this relates to your work, and it's I see it poking out there from inside that green folder. Will you sh- take us through some of these things? Sure. Yeah. So. Um at my at my show at Boca Museum. Um, so first of all, I wanted to really thank uh, Kelly Bottle for um, approaching me, curating this piece. She's the curator. She's at the, the curator the there, and mm-hmm. we've worked on this for like over a year. And obviously, uh, Irvin Lipman, the director there, wanted to thank him too because uh, they've been really supportive. Cool. I, could, I I really couldn't have done this because it's a pretty. Ma- it's like the biggest, most massive, most complicated, and like so many elements that had to come together. Uh, so it's like creating the symphony and these guys uh, really helped me put it together well the, the the installation is so complex I know that uh, just seeing from your stuff in the past sometimes you're working on it for over a year just even visualizing to the point where then you're putting it together right so this was visualized for a year and production and all of those things so there are a lot of different elements came together and in terms of like specificity of mm-hmm. like especially like nature that I love to um, talk about and our connection to it, you know, I wanted to share with you this this little object here. What am I looking at? So uh, you, you open up this little white container and you yeah, un- take a look, put, feel you it. Take the top off, and so, there is like a, it looks like kind of like a geode, right? You, like a like a stone. Right it looks like a stone thing, but what do you think it is, and how old do you think that is? This is a this is a bone fragment. Uh, I'm guessing. Well, no? sorta. Well, a fossil. It is a fossil. Uh, it's a uh, it's a coral. It's a coral fossil. Fo- okay. Yeah, and it's. From uh, Moab, so it's this—it's this tiny thing about the—it's well, it's about the size of a quarter yeah. with a polished, smooth surface, and yeah. then like a burst of color within it. What does this say to you? Like, how do you—how does this work its way into your so, art? So, like, how old do you think that is? Oh man, you're putting me on—I don't know. Just, hey, let me let me take a bite out of one yeah, corner. Yeah, I'm yeah. kidding. I'm kidding. I'm gonna carbon date it with my—I uh, don't know—ten thousand years. It's, it's two hundred and seventy-five million years old. Oh well, all right. I was off by a little bit. Right. So, I mean, uh, kind of the idea of these things is that uh, when I do a lot of residencies or travel, I like to look at what was there before we got there. Oh, so this was from... This is from Moab, oh, Utah, right? And now it's all dry, and this there was a big sea there at some point. With this with this coral, coral reef yeah. in the middle of Moab. And yeah. this is before dinosaurs, even. So it's like, you know, kind of looking at these objects that give me inspiration, and then we come to where we are now and again back talking about the the installation i have these different uh elements uh fossils bone you know dinosaur bones these kinds of objects um other other things i've collected that inform this here's another piece here right this is this also this also is like this uh kind of like this elliptical um a uh, piece of obsidian almost it looks, looks like. like a sea creature that's been embedded in there. It does. What am I looking yeah. at? Uh, it's some kind of anthropod kind of thing that existed like 100 million years ago. And so when you look at things like this, fossils and and uh, of the natural world, that plays a huge role into how then you take this and then create with it? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, sometimes so what I'll do is I'll start off making sketches of these things mm-hmm. or shoot a video and then compile it and then like morph it into something else in video and then also make a sculpture of it. So it's kind of playing back and forth with each other. So when I'm looking at this and kind of transmuting these objects, then it's like the art mind comes to mind. So So now I'm kind of taking artistic license right for lack of a better word right because uh, in your in the first 
in the part where you were working and you were kind of like uh, working with visual arts, like you're you're taking different art of, of physical objects and then you're then you're changing them in a way. Correct. Right. Right. What am I looking at here? So that's it's a piece of steel that's been cut by like lasers, maybe. Yeah, that's that, that's a water jet cut uh, aluminum panel. So there's different elements of like the flora fauna of South Florida, and all these objects are floating uh, in the uh, installation that I put up. So there's these things that kind of float and and reminds you of like these distinct shapes. Like could be a butterfly, could be some kind of rare orchid or whatever but you're it's like a hint of it and you see these things and your mind is thinking about possibilities right oh and that's what you kind of go into when you create a shape that's kind of indistinct is you want to create this impression folks as they move through about uh, yeah so the idea is to give people enough to fill in their own story hmm. but not to drive them straight to home right. i want to give them the option of where do you want to go and opening up people's minds to explore and have, I was talking about having enough space for people to exist in that space and for their minds to like grow. Right. And so much of your work you, you said is, is to give people a sense of positivity. How do you do that in a sense that how do you, when, when you're standing in for them and you're creating mm -hmm. part of an object, do you stand back and say, how do I feel about yeah, this? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Because, you know, obviously some colors, some tones will bring out more, not good, better, good, <laughs> better feelings. Right. And then some, some combinations will make you feel kind of, so you need to really take that in, especially for the way I work on things. Because I also use a lot of punchy colors. That comes from like, you know, maybe being born in India, I just respond to mm -hmm. strong colors. But also at the same time, it, it gets back to the idea of having uh, too much or too little. It's like the fine thread between like having too much information or not enough information. Right. And that's a hard thing to do. But I've been doing this for like 30 years. Right. So I think I have some a things. pretty decent idea <laughs> of what I'm doing. I'm curious, several of the objects you've shown me are, are so much natural of mm -hmm. the natural world, so to speak, uh, you know, things from, from the environment and, and things long lost. And I'm curious, what is it that drew you to this idea of wanting to express art that speaks to the environment and talking to people about what's going on with the environment? So I, I think, you know, like these objects everyone can connect to without the political baggage of the Anthropocene terminology. Because... Um, we, we get to a point where obviously we're having a big effect on our natural world and if we can talk about these things that you know I think everyone you would agree that everyone would be interested in what these things are and where we go from here is up to us right and again to like not hammer down to people like you know my position is this XYZ whatever you know it's it's like you want to be kind of more gentle with everyone to say can we move beyond these boundaries that we've set ourselves and and just kind of evolve right do you how does does your art change depending on where you've been working in other words i know that uh, you've lived all over the world and i'm wondering whether when you're when you're living in india i know you live you moved back to india at one point right uh, i was there just for like about a year how did that yeah. it, how did that change your art did you see could you see how being in that new environment changes what you're doing well I, I think when I spent some time back there again it was more like a communal existence mm -hmm. so that really kind of brought home the idea of making more installations how is it communal how is the what do you, I, mean you know you can't have a free moment 
to yourself in India. Everyone is in your business. <laughs> <laughs> is that because of family or because of also like it's the, the density, density family? You know, it's just it's just the Indian community. Everyone is very like you know very together, close, that kind of thing. So well, I think a lot of folks here who live with their with it, with their parents and an abuela can definitely uh, yeah multi generational multi generational right right. So it's it's it, it's very communal and it's very more societally based. So people like to hang out with other people they don't value as much uh independent time or you don't really have that freedom of independent time there right i'm curious what it was like to go back and live in india when you're living very communally and you have access to a lot of family when a lot of time it was just you and your mom and then um well i mean it's it was such a short period of time mm-hmm. as an adult when i went back briefly and it really was more about travel and mm-hmm. being kind of reconnecting the extended family. I don't know if it was like a accurate um, description of how it would be if I were to like live there for like an extended period of time. Right. It's kind of like I got the, um, uh, it, it, it was almost like a um, uh, uh, an extended vacation. Oh, I right? got you. Yeah. Yeah. And were there other places where you saw that your art really changed? Like as you moved and you were creating art, where where something really changed and and why that happened? Well, I mean, you know, I, I moved to uh, Florida in 2010, uh, left San Francisco Bay Area for good, and then I started making work here, and it just became, it just kind of took off. Uh, everything I did here, each show got bigger and bigger and bigger, and I, you know, the 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 community here has responded really positively to my work, and uh, also I was just able to experiment more than I was able to experiment you know, on the West Coast of all places. I, I never thought it'd be, I'd be able to experiment this much here. It just wasn't on my mind. But I think because Basel comes here every year, there's a lot more um, openness to experimentation. And That's interesting that you felt, and that surprised you. That It that totally, I, I, yeah, it totally surprised me. I, I'm like, what's going on here? And it's been amazing. What, what were some of those moments that you had kind of an aha, like that these you know that you could do things here what what made it so that you could do things here that you couldn't do well i did some installations in downtown miami when i first moved here and there was like no paperwork you just do it just go up and do just it just go ahead and do it and put out a press release and people would come and you know it was kind of like what because in san francisco you'd be like what how long is it going to take for me to do this six be, months for permits and if you're lucky <laughs> and here it's just like well let's do it and we did it and there was some really good uh really good uh, interactions that happened i did one that there was like an old vault we did an installation in this like, like this, an old bank vault type yeah of thing? yeah in downtown miami do you remember where that the building was that the old ding room building or the they've shot movies there before I, I can't remember but i worked with the downtown uh planning commission but like it just was fast and we did it and it was like really cool because i'd never done an installation in an old vault right how did that inspire specific work for that did it uh, yeah right so you know it was it was uh some sculptures and video and like being underwater and you know people were just like everywhere so i was this was like a long i barely remember this was like over 10 years ago right. but the the reaction was great and i mean that's kind of the thing where it's like people are really open to interacting and it's a very vibrant scene here vibrant culture and and, and you've stayed here since yeah, yeah. What, what do you yeah. think it is about the the culture for art here that that made it such an, uh, a creative space for you? Well, I, I, I think there's uh, people taking a lot of chances here. Uh, and, and definitely, like I said, with Basel coming every year, there's just more room for experimentation. People are used to that. Mm-hmm. And, and there's kind of like a hunger 
for doing something unique. Who who were some of your mentors? Some of the folks that that taught you that here that uh, to kind of just go ahead and do the do the art, you know. Um, I, I I think there were some early on, like at Art and Culture Center. Jane Hart was a curator there. She was very very supportive in that. Center's been still very supportive to me to this day. And then, like, again, working with downtown Miami, uh, as well as um, uh, Art and Public Places, Miami-Dade, as well as Miami Beach uh, uh, art program there. They've all just been very, very supportive with things I've pitched and things I wanted to do. And it's just kind of like snowballed, like, oh, yeah, this is great. Let's do it. Right. That that The idea of Art and Public Places is interesting. We had an artist, and, you know, we were talking about, you know, not – it shouldn't be art for pigeons, you know, is what is what her words were. I'm curious when you're doing art in public places, like, you know, you have this very specific point of view where you're thinking about the person who's who's receiving it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. How did how did that how did that evolve in Miami? Who is the person who is the person that's receiving in Miami, especially in like downtown? Uh, so um, my most recent project, our art in public places, is a permanent installation at. Um, uh, gallery Park. It's a apartment building, so mm-hmm. there's a, there's a video and light based work in the lobby. So that's more for residents there. But uh, I did a temporary one for Miami Beach uh, with um, Brandy uh, Reddick, and I uh, projected some video art on the orb of the Betsy. That was like a really unique sp- like shape to do some projection mapping, and it's it was really interesting. I loved it. It was like you it, like you when you look at it, you're almost looking like this space opened up like like a portal or some wormhole from sci-fi or whatever and you're looking at this thing and it's just like this this encapsulating video that's this this um it's hard to describe it you'd have to just go to my website and look at the uh, imagery it's interesting um how the environment influences your work you know because you've created your exhibit at the uh, the Boca Raton Museum is all in a gallery space and mm-hmm. you're cre- designing something with something sure. that exists yeah. but now you when you create out something in the in the re- in the world you know that that we that someone might encounter um, do you think differently about when you create a piece? Oh ab- yeah absolutely I'm, I'm very cognizant of the shape spaces the environment mm-hmm. how people are going to come up to it or drive up to it or drive by it um, all those elements, it's like a canvas, you know, where do you want to put the, I mean, I'm kind of dumbing it down a bit, but like where do you want to put the canvas for maximum uh, return sure. on, on your endeavors? Because everything I do, it's like, it's not just, it, it, there's a lot of planning, there's a lot of work that goes into it, and I just want it, all I can do is like make something 150% as good as I can, and the rest is up to the universe. Right. Yeah. What, uh, when you were a kid and you were young, were you creating art in public places? Like, were you doing graffiti on no, the side of a I building? No, w- I was not. I was so this was like before, like my whole therapy days, where art was very much like white cube kind of thing. Oh, like it's very formal. Yeah, and it's it very was a serious. little too formal, right? So, and then like you know, doing therapy, that kind of you know what? I can do something else. I can completely do whatever is more akin to my way of being. And you know, this kind of cuts back to temperament. People don't, in the art world they don't talk enough about temperament of the artist and what they are gravitating toward. Sometimes they try to fit you in a box. Right. And that's like, all I can say is for like other artists who are thinking about what they want to do is like, what's your temperament? And follow that first, regardless of what any scholar is trying to tell you what to do. So you're much more liable to climb up on a water tower now in the middle of the night and 
paint something. <laughs> well, I think I'll let someone else do that because every time I do these big things, I hurt myself. This this, this installation, it, I literally older guy problems. Yeah, yeah, I, my I, back hurts too. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, I hurt my Achilles tendon moving things around, so I was actually like on a little scooter thing for a little bit. But you know, I have to like you know, I, I love doing big things. Don't get me wrong, but it's like I just have to slow down a little bit and you know direct other people to do what I want them to do. Right. <laughs> Can you tell me some times where you, where folks encountered your art like that, and your goal is always to make, is to have this positive feeling fill people. Mm -hmm. Have you ever had t times where folks came up to you? Can you remember specific times where they came and and they had that result, like said, your art really affected me in this positive way? That yeah, you? it's yeah, it's had you know many times uh, you know when I've showed here, uh, people were saying similar things like that and mm -hmm. and feeling you know mimicking my intention and whether or not they got everything that was there that's not for me to judge but like ultimately i want people to get away with what are we doing what are we like you know that actually is like a good segue in terms of like getting people to understand and appreciate what we have mm -hmm. and how like for this exhibit um july 30th i'll be at the museum and there'll be a specific artist talk with uh, curator kelly bottle uh, from three to four, the information's on the museum, but it's July 30th. It's the only time I'm going to be there. So there's going to be a real intimate uh, talk about how the exhibit came together, the elements that I'm using, and just kind of different uh, things that are pulled together to make something really unique. Because I kind of think of this as like assemblaging elements of life mm -hmm. and different components into making something that you've never encountered as far as I know, nobody else is doing kind of what I'm doing, and uh, it's kind of like my trademark in a way. So it's it's this way of being in the world, which is sometimes not easy to do. I have to remind myself of like the the, the long picture. What am I like? What's twenty years from now? What am I going to look back on, and what am I going to be happy with in my life? Right, right. And there's this element too that you. You re you rebelled a little bit against this formalistic art training. Is there something like to be said about the audience and that an audience doesn't have to have this formal uh, art training to appreciate? Yeah, I think a lot of it is you know people in general. You don't need to have an art training. You just need to have a brain on your shoulders. <laughs> Whether I mean, and I'm being serious. It's like you could be great at anything you're doing as long as you have some critical cognitive skills in whatever field you're in. You can appreciate. Um, whatever you come across you don't need to have a real you know basic understanding would would help it's not it wouldn't be a crutch but like you know you don't really like the way i like to talk about work is you should be able to be able to expl explain it to to a third grader the, you know, kids are the best critics they'll tell you whether they like it or not <laughs> right exactly kids are and and it's almost like um like we had a poet in here who said that kids are kids are naturally poets, you know? So, like, yeah. there is something to be said about, you know, the basic question. When you see a piece of art, what does it make you feel? Exactly. And and they they don't lie. They're just like, oh, I don't like it. Oh, I love it. That's it. You don't need five pages of uh, support to see if it's good or not. Right, exactly. Just before we go here, so tell us where, where can folks... Um, 
this this talk that you're having on on the 30th. Okay. Tell me about that. Yeah. So uh, if you go to the Boca Raton Museum of Art's website and the uh, events calendar. On July 30th, uh, there's a special artist talk with uh, with myself and Kelly Bodel. We're going to be sitting down together and discussing all the elements and how this thing came together. Perfect. We're going to have to leave it right there. Uh, we've been speaking with the artist Sri Prabha. Sri, thank you so much for coming in and talking with us today. All right. Thank you. Our guest today was Sri Prabha. He has a new exhibit at the Boca Raton Museum of Art. It's there through October. And that's Sundial for Thursday, July 20th. Leslie Obaya Atkinson is our lead producer. Elisa Baena is our producer and social media editor. Helen Acevedo helped produce the show. Sergio Bustos is WLRN's VP of News, and Katie Munoz is our director of live programming. Peter J. Meritz is WLRN's VP of Radio and Sundial's engineer. Our theme music is by the Miami Afro-Cuban funk band Palo at gopalo.com. If you missed any part of this, you can download a podcast of this program. Just search for WLRN Sundial on your podcast app. Coming up next week on the program, a TikToker who really gets South Florida because he makes fun of it. Edison Lopez joins us. I'm Carlos Frias. Good vibes only. WLRN Public Media.